Our scripture reading this evening is found in Matthew, the Gospel according to Matthew. We'll read chapter, starting at chapter 4, verse 23, and through the 16th verse of chapter 5, giving the beginning of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 4, verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of diseases and all manner manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria, And they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments and those which were possessed with devils and those which were lunatic and those that had the palsy and he healed them. And there followed him a great great multitudes of people from Galilee and from Decapolis and from Jerusalem and from Judea, and from beyond Jordan. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out, to be trodden underfoot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That far we read. In God's holy, inspired word, may God bless that word to our hearts. The text that we consider this evening is that third verse. 
The first beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Beloved congregation in our Lord Jesus Christ, as you look forward to participating in the Lord's Supper, This coming Lord's Day, God calls us to examine ourselves. And the question we might ask ourselves as we examine ourselves is this. Do I manifest the characteristics of kingdom citizens. Am I a citizen of the kingdom of heaven? And if I am a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, the supper is for citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Then the Lord calls us to partake of the supper. The text that we consider forms the first part of what has been called the Sermon on the Mount. In this sermon, Jesus teaches the gospel of the kingdom. That's how it was introduced in chapter 4. It says, Jesus went about teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom. And in this sermon, he begins by giving the characteristics of those who are kingdom citizens. That we find in the first 16 verses. And then Jesus goes on to speak of the righteousness of the kingdom. It's a righteousness that exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and of the Pharisees. And then in the third place, Jesus calls us to enter, starting at chapter 7, verse 13. He says, enter ye at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. So the Beatitudes at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount give to us the characteristics of the kingdom citizens. They're called Beatitudes because those who display these characteristics are blessed. Beatitude comes from the Latin word beati, which simply means blessed. If you read this portion of Scripture in the Latin, that's the word you would find. You and I, who display these characteristics, are blessed. Kingdom citizens 
will display all of these characteristics. It's not the case that there are some kingdom citizens who are poor in spirit, and then there are other kingdom citizens who mourn, and still others who are meek, and that they're all separate ones. But rather the case is this. Kingdom citizens will display all of these characteristics to one degree or another. When we examine ourselves, we will see that we all fall short. We ought to see that we have only a small beginning, but we ought nevertheless to see, by God's grace, this describes you and this describes me. So I want to consider the text under that theme, the blessed poor in spirit. Let's note in the first place our poverty. Secondly, our blessedness. And lastly, our comfort. It is striking. When you read the Sermon on the Mount, and when you read the beginning of the sermon, it ought to strike us. These characteristics that Jesus describes show that by God's grace, we are different. God has caused us to differ from the world. I've heard sometimes people say, well, we are no different when compared to the unbeliever. We're no different. And then I ask, if not out loud, at least in my mind, I think, really, Cain was not different from Abel? And David was not different from Goliath? And Peter was not different from Judas. And now it's true in the sense that we all have the old man of sin. In that respect, we are like the world. We inherited the old man of sin from Adam. And everyone in the human race has the old man of sin. In that respect, we are like the world. But to say that we are no different is to deny the truth of regeneration and to deny the truth of sanctification because by God's grace we have been regenerated and we are being sanctified and therefore we are different. We have been made to differ from the world. By God's grace, Jesus Christ paid for our redemption, paid our ransom on the cross, suffered all the torments that you and I deserved, and we ought to see that and acknowledge that as we examine ourselves. 
but on the basis of that purchase price, God has reached down, as it were, and by his Spirit regenerated us. He has given us life, spiritual life. The world does not have that life. And I say there's a huge difference between death, spiritual death, and spiritual life. Jesus talked about that life when he met with Nicodemus. And he told Nicodemus, except thou be born again, thou canst not see the kingdom. If we had not been born again, we could not see the kingdom of heaven. Citizens of the kingdom, then, are unlike in all of the characteristics that Jesus describes at the beginning of the sermon show how we differ from the world. We are those who, by God's grace, have been made good trees. And children, what do good trees bear? Good trees bear good fruit. And the good fruit that good trees bear, that's what Jesus is describing in the Beatitudes. This is the fruit of those who are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. So what will you and I look like? If we are citizens of the kingdom, what spiritual fruit will we bear? Well, in the first place, we will be those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And now first we have to understand our poverty. If we want to know what it means that we are poor in spirit, we have to know our poverty. When Jesus spoke to the church at Laodicea in the book of Revelation, he describes them and speaks to them this warning. Revelation 3, verse 17, he says, Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. Jesus is saying to them, you must know that you are poor. But they did not know that. We must know that by nature, according to our natural birth, as we descended from Adam, we are absolutely spiritually destitute with not only nothing to our name, but with a great debt to our name. We are poor 
But then now we might ask the question, why does Jesus say, blessed are the poor in spirit? Is Jesus saying that everyone who is spiritually destitute as we are born in Adam, is that what it means to be blessed? That's not the idea. What does Jesus mean? Blessed are the poor in spirit. And the idea is this. That you and I recognize our poverty. Someone who is poor, according to the word in the original, is a beggar who and this is kind of bound up in the word, who stoops down. And stooping down, he begs and shows his utter dependence upon others. We who are poor must see ourselves as spiritual Beggars. We don't have some riches to go and bring to God and say, I deserve to be brought into the kingdom of heaven. But we are poor beggars who humbly stoop down and depend upon God for everything. We depend upon God for our life. We depend upon God for forgiveness. We we depend upon God for His grace day by day. We are spiritual beggars. And those who are poor in spirit recognize that about ourselves. When we recognize our poverty, our spiritual poverty, then we say, like the psalmist says, Psalm 70, verse 5, but I am poor and needy. But he doesn't stop there. He says, I am poor and needy. Make haste. You see how the psalmist, as a beggar, stoops down before his God, humbly begging God, make haste, O God. Make haste unto me, O God. Thou art my help and my deliverer. O Lord, make haste. No tarrying. He holds out his hand, as it were, as a beggar. He's showing himself to be poor in spirit. There's the beggar. Not just one who is destitute, but one who recognizes we are destitute and looks to God as beggars, undeserving of the least of his mercies. Do you see that about yourselves, beloved? 
that you are beggars. Nothing in my hands I bring, but that we must only look to God for his mercy in Jesus Christ. That's a description of one who is poor in spirit. Spiritual beggars before God. Jesus' gospel message in this first beatitude is that we who are spiritual beggars are blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit. That word blessed is a word taken from ancient Greek, and the way it was used by the Greeks was to describe someone who had great riches and was happy as a result of those riches. And now think of the way the world considers somebody who is blessed. They talk about someone who has a huge mansion or someone who has a great salaried position or someone who is able to enjoy fancy vacations or who sails around the world on a yacht. But the fact of the matter is those people in the world who have all those things are not actually happy. Jesus is not talking about that kind of happiness. Sometimes that word blessed is translated happy. Jesus is not talking about physical riches. He's not talking about the things that the world enjoys. But rather he's speaking of the true riches that Jesus Christ purchased for us on the cross. True blessedness, happiness that comes from riches, true blessedness has to do with the knowledge that God has saved us. True blessedness comes when spiritual beggars have the whole of our debt paid by Jesus Christ. That's true blessedness. True blessedness is knowing that God doesn't look down upon me in his wrath. He's not working in all of my life to curse me, but rather, because of what Christ has earned for me, God is working in all of my life to bless me. That's true blessedness. God looks upon us in favor as his dear children, even though we are spiritually poor in ourselves. What blessedness to have fellowship with God. 
Think about all the other privileges in the world. All the other riches that we could compare to that, and nothing even approaches the riches of knowing God and fellowshipping with God. Blessed, that's the blessedness that Jesus is talking about. Happy in those riches are the poor in spirit. We ought to see that too, that God has given us great riches that nothing in this world compares with having eternal life. You see that expressed throughout Scripture. It's a wonderful exercise. You can do that with a concordance or now computers. Look up different times that Scripture uses the word blessed and how it describes that blessedness. Psalm 1, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. And then that psalm goes on. What about that blessed man? He is like a tree that is planted by the rivers of water that in its season brings forth fruit. That man has fellowship with God. He meditates on God's law day and night. That's spiritual blessedness. Or Psalm 32, blessed is the man whose transgression is forgiven. Spiritual blessedness, to have our debt completely erased so that our bones don't wax old with roaring. Or Psalm 33, blessed is the nation. And now notice how he goes on. He's going to talk about our blessedness in the sense of our fellowship with God. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. God has chosen to bring us into fellowship with himself. There's blessedness. And just to use one more example, Psalm 65, verse 4, Blessed is the man whom thou choosest and causest to approach unto thee, that he may dwell in thy courts, we shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house, even of thy holy temple. Do you see the blessedness of those riches being called into fellowship with God, being given grace that we would approach unto him? He causes us to approach and to dwell in his courts. That's blessedness, spiritual blessedness, riches. Well, when you and I have those riches of covenant fellowship with God, beloved, 
that means we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. This whole Sermon on the Mount is a sermon about the kingdom of heaven. That's what Jesus is talking about when he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We who are poor in spirit have a place. We who see ourselves as spiritual beggars before God have a place in the kingdom of heaven. We are citizens in that kingdom. On the other hand, those who do not manifest, those who do not have any poverty of spirit at all, have no place in the kingdom of heaven. Now Jesus is not saying... Blessed are the poor in spirit because you have earned a place in the kingdom of heaven by your poverty of spirit. The reason that the poor in spirit have a place is not because our poverty has earned us a place. That doesn't even make sense. How can our recognition of poverty earn us a place? in the kingdom of heaven. The reason that we have a place in the kingdom of heaven is because Jesus earned for us a place in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus earned for us all the blessings of salvation. And if he earned that for us, if that's what he paid for on the cross and he made the full payment, well, then the Spirit of Christ is also going to give us those riches that Christ has earned for us. Christ, as it were, sits in glory and he has that whole treasury of blessings before his throne, and he dispenses those blessings that he earned. He dispenses those to all his people. He will give us the enjoyment of those blessings. He will, on the basis of that payment, transfer us out of the kingdom of darkness, out of the dominion of Satan, and he will bring us into his kingdom. That's what Christ earned for us. God, by his grace, when he regenerated us, translated us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of of his dear son. And now we are citizens. When we lived in Mexico, my father spoke to a man once who, knowing that we were American citizens, said to him, 
if I could have citizenship in the United States, that would be heaven. And he was thinking to himself, if only I could have access to that wealth, then I would be happy. But how much greater, beloved? Infinitely greater is the privilege of being citizens in the kingdom of heaven. God has given to us all things in Jesus Christ so that all things in the whole world are working together for our good, spiritual good, the greatest good, even those difficult circumstances that he puts all of his people through. We have great, great riches. Wealth beyond compare. In uh, unsearchable riches. When you try to look at how great they are, you can't even reach the bottom of the greatness. You cannot even see the depth or the height or the width of those riches in Jesus Christ. We can only scratch the surface. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Are you a citizen of the kingdom of heaven? then you are blessed beyond compare. How can you and I have comfort in that? How can you and I know that we are, in fact, citizens of the kingdom of heaven? Well, the evidence is the fruit. The evidence is those characteristics that Jesus is describing. The evidence of your blessedness and the evidence of my blessedness is that you and I know our spiritual poverty outside of Christ. We are firmly persuaded that if we did not have Christ, we would be of all men most miserable. We know we are spiritual beggars when we are convinced of our spiritual poverty and we are utterly dependent upon God for all of our spiritual blessings, for all of our salvation. The evidence, you could put it this way, the evidence that we are truly rich is that you and I know our poverty outside of Jesus Christ. How does that work? 
just this way. The evidence that you and I are alive is that God has given us spiritual eyes to see. And when having that life and having our eyes opened, we see about ourselves our weakness. A dead man doesn't see how weak he is. A dead man does not bemoan how little he can do. A dead man doesn't even think about those things. The evidence of life is that we have been given eyes to see our poverty, our weakness, our utter dependence upon God for all of our salvation. We have nothing from ourselves to offer God. Don't ever think to show up on the judgment day and say, here's my good works. I spoke to a man on my trip over here who was a self-professed agnostic And he said, what matters is that we simply try to do good. But the fact of the matter is, we cannot be good enough. We can never be good enough. We can never show up on the judgment day and say, look at these riches that I have. I have earned a place in the kingdom of God. Of heaven, these riches that I produced, these good works, we may never do that. Do we know that about ourselves? Do we know our spiritual poverty apart from Christ? Well, if you and I know that we are kingdom citizens, that knowledge is not going to stop with the knowledge of our poverty. We're not going to simply say about ourselves, look at our spiritual poverty, but we will also, by God's grace, see our riches in Jesus Christ. Yes, we will see ourselves as spiritual beggars, but we will also see those things that God gives to us for Christ's sake. We will be given eyes to see that we are citizens in the kingdom of heaven. We will be given eyes to see the care that our king has for us. Jesus Christ ruling over all things to show us good. You understand when it speaks of being citizens of the kingdom of heaven, we don't just have to wait until the day we go to glory and then we will enjoy the kingdom of heaven. But in fact, we have the beginning of that enjoyment right now. 
We know God right now. We have eternal life right now. Yes, it's the beginning, but it is nevertheless the reality. And then one day we will receive the fullness. We will be brought into heaven itself, the new heavens and the new earth. We will know as we are known. We will have and enjoy that fellowship with our king and with all of the citizens of that kingdom without any sin whatsoever. Do you see the evidence, beloved, that God has given that life to you? Do you see that spiritual poverty in yourselves and also the riches that we have in Jesus Christ? That citizenship can never be forfeited. You can never lose your citizenship. Those who are truly citizens, now there are some who pretend to be citizens and they will be cast out of the kingdom. But those who are truly citizens will never forfeit that citizenship. Jesus says in John 10 verse 28, I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. It's striking that that symbol of a shepherd is often used for kings. Jesus Christ is our shepherd king who holds us in his hand so that None can snatch us away. And now imagine the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of Satan. Imagine Satan himself and all his demons coming against us, tempting us, giving us every excuse that he can and every reason to simply give up on our faith and say, just forget it. If this is what the church is about, just forget it. But the devil and all his demons cannot snatch us away. No matter what temptations he puts before us. Our shepherd king holds us. Or if all the kingdoms of the world join together and persecute us and seek to stamp out the church or seek to lure us away into wickedness, they cannot prevail. They cannot take us out of the kingdom of Jesus Christ and not even our old man of sin. That terrorist, as it were, who rises up against us and who follows after the kingdom of Satan, our old flesh cannot draw us out of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Our citizenship 
in the kingdom of heaven will continue. And then one day that fullness of the kingdom will come. We will be brought into that glorious kingdom. That's what we pray in the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come. Rule us now by thy word and spirit. Preserve and increase the church against all the wiles of the devil. And the devil never ceases to attack the church. There's never a day where the devil takes a rest from attacking the church. But we pray, thy kingdom come. Preserve and increase the church. And then destroy all the works of the devil until... At last, thou reign fully and perfectly. Thy kingdom come. That's what we pray. God gives to us, by his grace, the desire that his kingdom be established, that he would rule more in our hearts, that we would more and more hate our sins and flee from it, and that more and more we would follow after righteousness. That's what we pray for. We ought to see that too about ourselves as we examine ourselves. Do you pray for that perfect kingdom to come? Do you humbly bow down as a beggar before God and see that all of our salvation comes from him. Then you belong in the kingdom. And then you belong at the supper. The supper is for kingdom citizens who see and are able to examine that about ourselves. We belong by God's grace in the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Our Father, which art in heaven, we give thee thanks for thy word to us concerning the kingdom. As we read now the form for the preparation for the Lord's Supper, bless the reading of that to our hearts and bless us as we examine ourselves in this coming week. Forgive us where we have fallen short and lead and guide us by thy spirit that we may come to the supper as beggars seeking all of our salvation in Jesus Christ and him crucified. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.